morning. Yesterday I was uh, <clears throat> working on the sermon and I heard a, a noisy four-wheeler coming up the road and uh, thought, I might knew, thought I knew who it might be and it, it came roaring in our driveway. I'm pretty sure they don't have a muffler, but uh, it was Jalen and Tevin, two, two, two of the boys that come to Boys Club. And, they said, we just wanted to stop and wish Ruthie a happy Mother's Day, <laughs> my wife. And uh, they're about as lovable as they get, and as you can have, they, one of them's is about as blustery as can be too, but they thought of my wife and wanted to wish her, well, a happy Mother's Day. I started this sermon, today is Mother's Day, and I started this sermon not having remembered, and I was going to call it Caring for a Spouse, and, um, but maybe I've changed the title, I've given it the title Honoring Our Sisters, and, but, so I adjusted the sermon bit a bit, maybe not enough for Mother, Mother's Day, I'll be talking quite a bit about husband and wife relationship, but I hope it'll be encouragement to mothers and, and all of you sisters. But you can choose your title. Um, this is uh, husband and wife. Hu the husband and wife relationship relationship is a relationship, and you are all. Maybe you don't have a spouse, but you are all in relationships. And uh, so I hope there's something you can learn uh, from this. Each of you and your whatever your role is in life. You can call it caring for a spouse, caring for the mother of your children, caring for a friend, caring for a brother or sister. I'll just be listening for how it applies to you and your relationships. I must tell you that I speak out of personal experience. I trust I speak the word of God, the truth of the word. But in a personal way, I speak out of personal weakness and shortcomings. I'm, I'm only and ever a learner. I more and more consider myself a weak and selfish man. But I know God has his hand on me and is teaching me to love my wife and my children and others too. I'm going to read from Ephesians 5. I'll start uh, with, at verse 14. Ephesians 5:14. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God, 
Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, and I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment of promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, and singleness of heart, of your heart, as unto the Lord. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall receive of the Lord, whether ye be bond or free. And ye masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also in heaven, neither is there any respect of persons with him. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, and in the power of his might. Now we certainly won't be able to comment on all those verses, but I did want to read about all these different relationships that the scripture speaks to. I chose to begin at verse 14. <laughs> Just in case some of, us, some of us have been asleep about our responsibilities and our relationships. If so, it's time to wake up and be attentive to the need, needs of those that are nearest to us. Awake thou that sleepest, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. Maybe sometimes we are clueless, and sometimes we're lulled into kind of a careless sleep, or distracted from uh, the needs of our, those we relate to. And uh, we, sometimes we need to wake up. <laughs> wake up and go to Jesus Christ who will give us light and will show us how to really care for others. One of the biggest challenges, I think, of marriage life, married life is this. 
that we married people have committed to living with an imperfect person um, and to love them. My wife has committed herself to me. It's amazing that she's done that. And she's done well. To love me through thick and thin, through joys and sorrows, through successes and failures. And she lives with me constantly and uh, closely, daily observing flaws and failures and peculiarities. And yet she's required to love me. To, lo to be able to love an imperfect person requires a power beyond ourselves. And also in that we are imperfect and have selfish tendencies to be able to love our family members, our, our church, fellow church members and everyone. Uh, we need power beyond ourselves to be able to love well. Love is essential in every relationship and it's certainly need, needful between a husband and a wife. This text teaches that husbands are to love their wives. I believe it, believe it is a given here that wives are to love their husbands as, as well. It, it does say it quite directly in another place in the Bible. And that parents are to love their children and that children are to love their parents. And brothers, brothers and sisters are to love each other too. What is this love? The, the Greek language uses several words to describe love. Uh, one is sexual passion, one is family affection. But here uh, in Ephesians, the Apostle Paul chose the Christian word agape for love. And I'd like to quote the uh, Tyndale Commentary's definition of what agape love is. It is a love that is totally unselfish, that seeks not its own satisfaction, nor even an answering affection, but that strives for the highest good of the one loved. This love has, has its standard and model. As it stand, this love has as its standard and model the love of Christ for his church, and that's exactly what Ephesians 5 says. I'm still quoting, it means not only a practical concern for the welfare of the other, but a continual readiness to support subordinate one's own pleasure and advantage for the benefit of the other. It implies patience and kindness, humility and courtesy, trust and support. This love means that one is eager to understand the needs and the interests of the other and will do everything in his power to supply those needs and further those interests. I'll read the definition once more. It is a love that is totally unselfish, that seeks not its own satisfaction, nor even an answering affection, but that strives for the highest good of the one loved. This love has as its standard and model the love of Christ for his church. It means not only having a practical concern for the welfare of the other, but a continual readiness to subordinate to subordinate one's own pleasures and advantage for the benefit of the other. It implies patience and kindness, humility, 
and courtesy and trust and support. This love means that one is eager to understand what the needs and the interests of the other are and will do everything in his power to supply those needs and further those interests. What love? God's love is amazing. This love of Christ from God. Not dependent on the, per the other person's merits or behavior. Totally unselfish, not depending on the other's returning affections or favors. Willing to give up our own pleasures and interests for the benefit of the one loved. Courtesy and humility and kindness. I think the word kindness uh, doesn't completely describe what love is, but it certainly describes some of what love is. I remember Rabbi Zacharias saying in a sermon that there is never, 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 never a reason to be unkind. Once an elementary class of students was asked to write about love, and one child wrote, it's, it means being nice. Talk nice, play nice, do, do nice things for others, just be nice. Is it possible to love that way, this way, the way the Bible describes love? Is it even possible? Well, it is only possible by the grace of God. And it's only possible by the power of the Spirit of God. Our text here in verse 18 states that we're not to be under the influence of excessive wine, but we're to be filled by the Spirit. How are we filled by the Holy Spirit? Well, we must be born again. How can we be born again? We must repent of living our lives without God and repent of our sins and our sinfulness and reach out to Jesus Christ in faith for forgiveness and for his new life in the spirit. When we repent and believe and trust and commit to Jesus Christ, he will save us and give us the new birth, which is essentially his, his spirit taking over the throne room of our soul dethroning and crucifying our old selfish nature, our old sinful nature, and taking the throne of our heart. Before we were converted, our core motivation of the heart was selfish, was to be selfish, but being born again, uh, being a born again Christian then, the core motivation of our heart is to love. Because the Holy Spirit reigns there in the soul. Young people, don't try to marry. Don't try marriage without be bo being born again by the Spirit of God. I think, I've, I think I've observed marriages of unbelievers that go quite well. And I believe it's because they're following some of good values, which the Bible teaches kindness and respect and caring. But it's better if two born-again Christians marry each other and have the Spirit of God living within them to empower them to really love. 
The Bible says, Mary in the Lord. And be filled with the Spirit. And the scripture says to speak, speak with one another, uh, sing with one another, and give thanks together, together for everything. Give thanks always for all things. That means to have a faith in God. I believe that means even the difficult things. That means having faith that God will bring good out of unpromising and difficult situations. So do you find yourself in a difficult relationship? We do from time to time. Uh, somehow God will bring good, bring about good when we do it his way and live in the power of the Spirit to love others the way Christ loves us. This text also says that Christ will give you light. He will show you how to love and how to live with others. Now let's consider verse 21. This verse says, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. In marriage and in all relationships, there's, there's the need for mutual submission. God wants us to live in joyful relationships. And I, I think what was described just earlier is part of that, of speaking to, other, uh, speaking to each other, singing uh, with one another, giving thanks together. That's talking about relationships in, in, as Christians. And here we have a key to uh, one, one of the keys to good, good relationship is that is the teaching of mutual submission. We, should, we must be willing to serve anyone, learn from anyone, be, by, be corrected by anyone, yield to anyone. If, if we somehow have pride uh, that we feel we're superior or that we have a higher position that others must always yield to us or if we have an authoritarian spirit, we'll do damage in our relationships. No one is right every time, and no one should have their way every time. A mutual submission implies mutual respect in the church and in the home. Uh, there, there are different roles that we should play willingly and diligently, roles of leadership and roles of subordination. Times to lead and times to obey the leader. But we must realize that intellectually and spiritually we're all equals. And we, in Christ's church, we're, there's neither bond nor free, male nor free male. We're all equals on a spiritual level. And we're, we're to, to live together, work together in harmony. But let's ask ourselves, do, do I insist on my way too often? Do I really respect my spouse, my children, my brothers and sisters in church, my fellow workers? And do I yield to their interests and wishes quite often? Another question we should ask ourselves is, have, have I really listened to them? Have I cared about what they think and what they feel? Do I know what they wish for? and what they would really like to see happen in family and in church. This is about mutual submission, has to do with mutual uh, respect. I believe God can help us 
to be respectful to each other and really listen to one another. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit to respect others, sometimes in their weaknesses, but, and to learn to know their needs and to submit their wishes, uh, to honor their wishes above, above our own. So the understanding of equality and mutual respect and mutual submission is essential to good family and church relationships. Now this scripture teaches us how to function in our roles as husbands, wife, children, brother, sister. Wives, submit to your own husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Children, obey your parents. Fathers, don't uh, be rash or harsh with your children and make them wrathful. This uh, is talking about the Christian's duties, not, not so much about rights as what our Christian duties are. Let's first meditate on the husband's role before God. Jesus Christ is your model. Husband, you're the head of the, your wife, as Christ is the head of the church. Jesus is the savior of the church. He gave, him, he gave himself for his body. He cleanses the church by the truth of his word. He, the head, is concerned for every member of his body. We are, we are his flesh and his bones. Uh, we, we, are, we're, we are a part of him, and he cares for us, each one. Jesus is our model of how to, to love and how to lead as men. Jesus is Savior. How are we husbands to be like saviors? We're to be pro protectors and providers, lifting our wives out of difficult situ situations and protecting them from damaging circumstances and providing for them so they will not suffer spiritual or physical poverty. Jesus is our Savior. We're to be like saviors. We men are. Jesus gave himself for his body, and we husbands are to love sacrificially, living like Jesus did with the attitude, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. And be looking to the Lord to know what his will is and caring for others. And if we're married, to, to be looking for the good of our wife, to love them, willing to give up my own interests and my agenda for her wishes and her needs. Jesus is the church's sanctifier. This scripture says that Jesus has washed us by his forgiveness, and he also affects in us a new life of holiness by the work of the Holy Spirit and the cleansing of his word in our lives. He is making his church more beautiful by making every member more beautiful in character and in behavior. The Bible says that on that great day, he will present us faultless before our Heavenly Father's glorious presence with great joy. It's a work that he's doing day by day in every one of us to make us more beautiful 
and someday he'll present us to the Heavenly Father faultless. We husbands should be highly concerned about our wives' spiritual well-being and character development. God help us men to be spiritual priests in our home. I wonder how many times my wife has said to me, um, can, we, can we pray together? <laughs> can we sing together? Can we discuss this challenge that we're facing together? Let's, let's talk to the children about this. She, she's a good encourager to me. So in all our relationships, in the family and otherwise, with her acquaintances, to be, to be concerned about the spiritual welfare and the personal growth of our friends. Jesus nourishes and cherishes his church, his church, each, each member as a part of himself. He cares for us all. He cherishes us and he gives us spiritual food. And God is, I believe, helping us husbands by the power of the Holy Spirit to provide, to cherish our wives and to love our children and give give tender care and do our part in meeting their emotional and spiritual and physical needs. Some time ago I had a wake-up call. I, I asked my wife, do you feel that I love you? And she said, I know you love me, but I don't feel cherished like I used to. And I, I think it was around the same time I asked our daughter Heidi, can you tell that your mother and I love each other? And she said, well, I can tell you're committed to each other. Cherish means to hold dear, to treat with tenderness, to treasure, to cheer, to comfort, to nourish, to nurture, to shelter, to protect, to value. And did I say to treat with tenderness? So we men could ask ourselves, uh, am I really tender with my wife? That's quite a tall order for raw-boned men. And it's quite a tall order to love always, even when our wives are not perfect. We need God, and we need the Holy Spirit to make us tender and caring. Jesus considers each member of his church to be a part of his body, of his flesh and his bones. That's verse 30. And also uh, later it says, verse 31, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Before marriage a man had, has his closest bond and obligation to his parents, but being married there becomes a new and higher loyalty and obligation to his wife. The teaching here is that husband, the new husband and wife leave their parents and the parents release them from that, at least some of that bonding relationship between parent and child. Uh, they yield to the, the, the new relationship. And then the, then the person the man has married has, has become a part of himself. 
Far from being his servant, she has become his intimate companion, a part of himself. And he is to love her like himself. Now we'll turn to the wives' roles and duties. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as to the Lord. As the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be subject to their husbands in everything. The wife see that she reverence her husband. Wives are sub submit to their husbands as to the Lord. Colossians 3.18 says, as is fitting to the Lord, it, it's what God has designed in the family. It's what he wants. 1 Corinthians 11 also describes the role of men in headship and women in a subordination, in a subordination role. And there, it, there the teaching is that the head veiling is, uh, is symbolic of, of someone embracing those roles that God has given. This is not about a difference in worth, but it is about different roles. That the, the husband is to take loving uh, leadership responsibility and the wife to respectfully submit, uh, submitting to her husband as is God's design. And that's for the unity and the harmony and the well-being of the family and the children and the generations to come. Respect our husbands. Ask to the Lord, giving God respect, uh, obeying God and respecting our husbands. Verse 24 says that wives are to submit in everything as Christ does to the church. Jesus Christ was the self-sacrificing leading of the church. His every command is right. And those commands are good for the church and good for the family and good, good for... Yes, yeah, good for... Christ, Christ's commands are not only right, they're also in the best interests of those of, of his, his church. So if we, if we place our... Self, when we commit to Christ and come under his lordship, we're in very good hands. We can obey his every command and it will be well for us. And ideally, when a wife submits to her husband, she doesn't put herself in the hands of someone who takes authority to command whatever he pleases. Rather, a leader who is always concerned for her well-being and what is right before God. Verse 33, the wife see that she reverences her husband. The Amplified Bible defines reverence this way. Let's, let the wife see that she respects her husband, that she notices him, regards him, honors him, prefers him, venerates and esteems him, and that she defers to him and praises him and loves and admires him exceedingly. Quite a tall order for an idealistic woman. Uh, to respect an imperfect man. You will need God and you will need the Holy Spirit to help you to respect and love and submit to your husband. Let's turn our thoughts towards mothers and toward womanhood. 
Most women, unless conditioned otherwise, long for husband and children. But it's not the privilege for every woman. Throughout, throughout the New Testament, the dignity of womanhood is emphasized. I believe it's true that throughout history, wherever the gospel has been embraced, in whatever society that ends, that, that, that women have been lifted up to a higher place in society and in the family and the church. Just want to encourage you women that you have a high calling to support and to encourage and to comfort and, and to inspire and to teach and to nourish and to do deeds of mercy and deeds of service and to enhance the gospel. I want to share these few verses with you. Colossians 3.18 says, Wives, submit, for this is fitting in the Lord. When you fulfill your role as a woman, a godly woman, you're pleasing the Lord. You're following his design, and you're showing others, and you're showing the next generation what God wants from women. Titus 2.5, older, older women are to be reverent, teaching what is good, teaching the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their own husbands, so that no one will malign the word of God. That's from the NIV translation. There's a fair amount of scoffing in this world today about what the what the, what the modern-day feminists say about a woman's role, what they say about what the Bible says about a woman's role. I read, I tried to find where I read this. I did read it within the last week of some quotes of some feminists, some, some people in the feminist movement. They, they were saying things like, it's just such a waste for a woman to spend her time in the home and in the family and rearing children. But... So there is that kind of teaching and thought uh, that, but when you as a woman live, uh, live the way God teaches you in a supportive role, uh, providing encouragement and comfort and inspiration and teaching and nurture, deeds of mercy, deeds of kindness, if you're caring for children, if you're teaching school, if you're cleaning a home, if you're cleaning a hotel, whatever your present role in life is, you can do that in a way that will impress the world. When people See, uh, when people see a good family, they say, wow, the peace and the harmony and the children, uh, happy and well-behaved and developing, there's something really good about that and beautiful. Your life as a woman will enhance the gospel and bring respect to the word of God. You never need to be embarrassed or apologize for your God-given role. It's a high and holy calling. You're, you're making a difference in your family and in the world. Uh, we had a, a widow lady friend pass 
passed away just a month or so ago. And uh, she lived in Florida with her daughter the last year. But Ruthie talked to her daughter uh, just, just a few days ago. And the daughter was saying, did I ever tell you what my mother said? <laughs> and uh, said, my mom was always so impressed with your family, the peace and happiness she saw there. She, did, she didn't see the intense moments and conversations that we have, <laughs> but what, this is just what she said. She said, our, our home was not like that, not, at least not in these later years. We, we children don't even talk to each other. And it grieved my mother. And she said, I would like to go live with Sonny's. I'd like to live in that home. That's what her mother said. We're not a perfect home, but she saw something that, that she liked. So I want to encourage you sisters that we appreciate you, respect you, you, your godliness is a great encouragement to the rest of us. And your lives are making difference. Uh, live, your lives are making a difference for Christ's kingdom. For children, yes, but your, your impact is far beyond the home. And I believe you're touching your every acquaintance. And I say, God bless you. And God be with you, and may God be with us all.